0: And it is good to be uh, good for me to be here with you once again. I'm, um, and Pastor Tony was mentioning uh, that that passage you just read from from Philippians chapter two. Um, I'm I was struck by how how the Lord moves people. I don't know how that passage was selected, but it's a beautiful, beautiful passage. Might encourage you in preparation for next Sunday evening to reflect on that passage uh, some more. Because in our message next week, I'll be using a number of biblical passages, and that is one i going to pay a particular attention to. Talking about Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not uh, find equality or claim equality with God as something to be grasped or hung on to, but made himself nothing. And it says, you have this mind, this attitude, this outlook in you as Jesus did. Beautiful beautiful passage. Tonight <coughs> we're going to be looking at Psalm 22 over. It's a good passage uh, to be thinking about. <coughs> I didn't think yeah, I didn't think I was going to need water, but I think I will. It um it, it's a, a beautiful passage to be looking at, uh, at the beginning of Lent. Uh this is a this is a passage that uh, clearly is messianic. It begins My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then there's that verse in it. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing or for my vesture did they cast lots. So it clearly points ahead to Jesus, but it is a psalm of King David. And it's a psalm that expresses David's anguish, his his sorrow, his sorrow just really his grief before God. He's asking God, God, thank you, why why do you do this to me? And he pours that out, that sorrow before God. But then, interestingly as well, it's a psalm that expresses a great deal of praise. And you may have noted that the the title of the message is God enthroned on our praises. And I was appreciative of All the the songs that I guess Sherry selected that go so fittingly uh, with this message, songs of praise to God. And I want to note with you as we read this, David's expression of, of just anguish before God intermixed with his praise and then as well his asking for deliverance. And I'll just take note of that as we read. Psalm 22, at verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, by night, and am not silent. He's torn. He's distressed. But then he says... Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. And you, our fathers, put their trust. They trusted and you deliver them. They cried to you and were saved. And you they trusted and were not disappointed. Then he shifts again. But I'm a worm, not a man. Scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insult, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. And then a change again. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. And then he prays for deliverance. Do not be far from me for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. And he expresses more of that. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions tearing their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. And then a prayer again. But you, O Lord, be not far off. All my strength come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. And then more praise. I will declare your name to my brothers in the congregation. I will praise you. All who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from me, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. I want to call your attention especially to verse 3. Verse 3 reads, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One, you are the praise of Israel. And that's the, 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 the passage, the verse we're going to focus on. And for the message this evening, I want to use a different translation. And I want to spend a few moments explaining that. That is NIV. In the English Standard Version, the same verse is translated Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Do we, do we have those? We? Oh, we don't. We don't have them. Oh, okay. Well, then you need your Bibles open, <laughs> um, and that is going to be important because I'm going to make the uh, an explanation as to what. Oh, there it is. Yes, wonderful. Hmm. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. That's NIV. Now let's do the next one, which is English Standard. Let's do the... Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And now let me explain why translators have a dilemma. Dilemma. The next slide is going to be the literal, the literal Hebrew. Just, just those five words. But you, holy, sitting on the praises, Israel. And because God is a king, when he's sitting on something, well, he's sitting on a throne, so he's enthroned. The way you translate this all depends on where you put that, what you connect that sitting on or enthroned with. If you connect it with holy, well, you're going to read, you are enthroned as the holy one. And then you are the praise of Israel. But if you connect sitting on or enthroned with The latter part, the praises of Israel, you'll translate it, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Now let me be very candid with you. Pastors study some things about this in seminary. But the determination of how you translate things like this is way beyond our capacity in terms of understanding and study of Hebrew. But there are lots of people, translators, well, lots, many, who, who can do that. And I checked 21 translations. 17 of them translated similarly to the English Standard Version. The NIV, it's a great translation, but is in the definite minority. And when I've read explanations, again, which are somewhat beyond me, I think it makes far more sense to translate it, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And that's the translation we're going to use for tonight, because it does make a difference. Now, think with me about this. If we read, if we say, yet you are... Uh, you are the let me go back just go back I'm, I'm sorry I should go back to the. You, you are enthroned as the Holy One you are the praise of Israel well then the application will really be we well, ought to praise God of course we ought to praise God that's just a good thing to do right? to praise God but if you take the next one and I'll go on to the next slide I'm sorry yet you are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel, it really says a little more. If God is enthroned on our praises, or as some translations have it, because it really says he's sitting on our praises, and where he's enthroned is where the king lives. He inhabits the praises. It really means where God's people praise him, that's where he is. That's where he comes. So if we apply that, it really means if I want God to come close to me, it would make sense to praise him. Because where his people praise him, that's where God comes. That's where he draws near. So, if I'm struggling, if I'm burdened, if I'm in a hard time, if I'm distressed, if I'm dis- depressed, if I'm worried, if I've got problems, what should I do? Well, it makes a lot of sense to praise God because then God comes Closer to me. Because he lives on. Is enthroned on. The praises of his people. And. Now think about this. Especially in difficult times. All through our lives. But especially in difficult times. What do we need the most? Wisdom. Good advice. Godliness. Of course we. Of course we need that. But I suggest to you what we need even more than that is the personal power and presence of God in my life now this is an Old Testament way of expressing this I'd suggest to you if this were specifically in the New Testament it would be talking not so much about God dwelling or inhabiting but the power and presence of His Holy Spirit. Now, somebody may be thinking right now, isn't God everywhere? I mean, God's everywhere, isn't He? So, so I mean, what, what are we talking about praising God and He comes closer to us? Well, certainly God is present everywhere, but in Scripture, there's the expression of, of, of God, and he teaches that, that he would leave his people. James says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So it certainly is biblical to understand God's activity as sometime being further away from us and sometime coming close to us. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And what this passage, I submit, is saying when we praise him, he comes close to us, closer to us. Now, let me check these notes to be sure that I'm not forgetting anything. What I want to do... For the rest of this message is to simply encourage you in your praising of God in a very intentional way. Um, it's a very simple message. You may be thinking now, but, but you know, isn't praising God just sort of natural and easy? Yeah, we might say that i suggest, though, it's harder than we think. Because really, now, how much do we do that? And I want to think with you about, really give you three suggestions or a sort of arenas of praise. One of them is praise in public worship. Second is praise in our devotion to our devotions, really personal praise and devotion or adoration, and the third is praise to fight the inner the enemy. Those three, <clears throat> going through them, one, two, three. First, praise in public worship. You have to think about what's the most important thing that happens in a worship service. Yeah, we're good Reformed people, very inclined to say, well, the preaching of the word, or sometimes the sacraments. We might say, we pray, we give, we fellowship. Okay, taking that question from a little different angle, how do you evaluate a worship service? How do you determine if it was a good service or a mediocre service or a not-so-good service? Or maybe you never do that, but most of us do. Well, let me, let me tell you exactly what my tendency I've been retired for over two and a half years, and so I sit in worship services. Well, I like to worship, but I have this tendency to evaluate. And... and I think with me, you'd say one of the things that, that I evaluate a service on is, is, was the message a blessing to me? Did the pastor speak to me? Was it clear? Was it biblical? Did it make sense? Did, it, did, did I grow through it? Did I get instructed by it? That's important. And did I like the songs? Could I really praise God through the songs? Was I lifted up? Was I inspired? I'm glad we sang, Lord, I lift your name on high. That's a beautiful song for for many years. I don't know anymore, but for many years, that was the most listed song on the CTLI license. The words are wonderfully orthodox. Lord, I lift your name on high. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, the grave to the skies. It goes all through Jesus' Jesus suffering and death. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful song. But a little bit difficult to sing sometimes unless you're used to it. And you know what our tendency is? I don't like that song. It's hard to sing. I suppose none of you are like that, just like me. Or, or the, the rest of the service, the whole thing, did it fit together? Well, all of those things are important. Whether the prayer was really a prayer for me, that, that's important. The message is important. Of course it is. The, the singing is important, if it blesses me. But, you know, we don't call it a preaching service. We don't call it a hymn sing. We don't call it a praying service. We don't call it a giving service. We call it a worship service. And so I would strongly submit to you, well, those other things are important. Well, what I get out of it is important, yes. The most important thing is that I've come there here with my fellow worshipers to worship God, to praise God, to adore God, to love Him. And let me just uh, a little bit of a side here. Uh, the people who study this make distinctions between praise and worship and giving thanks, which is close to it. For our purposes tonight, I'm sort of lumping them all together. You can make distinctions. Uh, uh, probably a man who's done the most work with that is Judson Cornwell, wrote books maybe 30, 40 years ago. That's instructive. But think of it tonight as being lumped all together. That's why we've come to... Public worship, to worship, praise, adore, love, honor God. So my suggestion to you, remember now, God inhabits the praise of his people. When we praise God, when we throw our hearts into loving him, honoring him, worshiping him, and if we all do it together, if several hundred people do that together, I guess it says God comes, God lives there. God's comes closer. That's what it seems to say. So my encouragement to you is to approach worship that way. So when you come before you come, offer that service up to prayer. God help me really worship now. Protect my mind, protect my heart, help me focus on what I'm supposed to be doing, and my fellow worshipers too. And everyone who's who's involved in it, the pastor, the the music people, everyone, give them your blessing. Do I pray that way really very much on Sunday morning? And when I come to church, when I I, I sit, you know, many years ago, some of you are old enough along with me can remember where the the custom in Christian Reformed churches was when you came into the pew, you sat down and you immediately bowed your head in silent prayer. You prayed for the service. I was a boy. We quit that. And then we had a silent prayer all together. The pastor would announce that we're going to pray together silently. And then we quit that. And you know, for many years I thought that was good. Thought we had our, our, our just public prayers. We ought to have a, a prayer that's led. I don't think it's so good anymore. I've come to miss that time of silent prayer. But you know, we, we don't have to close our eyes to pray. My encouragement to you is all through the service, offer up to God that worship service, everything that's going on in two ways. One is for his blessing on what's happening. And the second thing, right along with it, we can do two things at the same time. Offer your praise. Praise you, God. Thank you. Yes. Those words of the song. Yes, Lord. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Especially if you don't like the song. Pray even harder. God, speak to me through these Beautiful words. And then there's the message. Pray for the pastor. Especially if you're getting bored, pray for him. Pray for your fellow listeners. God, speak to me. Take these words and apply them to my heart. You know, this is work. It takes some energy. It takes some effort. I'm not inclined to like to do that. I'm inclined to want to sit back and say go ahead and feed me. See if I like it. I want to be blessed. It's good to be blessed. Very simply, these are some suggestions, very simply, be energetic and intentional about your worship and praise of God in the worship service going on our personal praise and adoration our devotion to God devotional praise and adoration I'll tell you about my tendency in prayer I have a real tendency to want to ask God for things God help me Bless me, and I pray for other people too. Bless so and so, people dear to me, other people. Got a list, you know? That's good. I hope you do that too. Praying for people—that's important. But well, many of us perhaps have used that little device: acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. It begins with adoration. I confess, it's much easier for me to want to pray asking God for things than the adoration part. What's been helpful to me, a number of years ago, I heard a speaker named Ron Hutchcraft, who talked about that ACTS and other devices too, and he said they're fine, but they sound awful highfalutin. And he said, my suggestion to you is to think of your prayer as kind of a love letter to God. And when you write your love letter to God, just begin with, I love you. That's a little easier than adoration, isn't it? I love you. Tell them why. And then say, thank you. Tell them what you're thankful for. And then say, I'm sorry. That's confession. Tell them what you're sorry for. And then say, please. For me, it's helpful to have please, please. Please for other people, please for myself. And then say, I promise. I promise is God. This is what I want to do or me, and I need your help. This is what I need your help for. I promise. But I need your help. Now, that's been helpful to me. But I want to I just call your attention to the first two. Just the first two. I'll say the others if you, somebody's writing them down. I'll say the next The others, in just a few moments again. I love you. And thank you. Two of them. Adoration is only one. For me, it's helpful to have two of them. Because it makes me, leads me, pushes me to just spend more time, energy, effort on that praise part. Mr. Hutchcraft had this illustration about the difference between I love you and thank you. He said, I love you is more about bigger things. Thank you is about more routine things. And it's important to praise and thank and honor and love God for both of them. Then he gave this illustration. It's his, not mine. He he said, suppose a young groom, recently married uh, man, says to his bride, My darling, I love you. And she says, Why? And he thinks and says, Because you make good pot roast. She probably won't be too thrilled with that he's probably going to want something more profound and significant as to why he loves her. But if she makes good pot roast, it's a very good idea for him to thank her for it. That's his example about the bigger things and little things. It's been helpful to me to have two. It just leads me to spend more time with the thanksgiving and love and praise and adoration to God. And having the two things first, At the very beginning, I like to pray in the car. If I'm driving all by myself, you know, we don't have to... This isn't just devotion time in the morning or evening or whenever. Driving alone in the car is a wonderful time. But I often don't get done. But if you start with those two, you just naturally do spend more time in the adoration part. You can work it out. My encouragement is personally in devotion. Work on the adoration, the love, and praise. Again, from Mr. Hutchcraft, I love you, thank you, I'm sorry, please, and I promise. Third thing. Praise to fight the enemy. We do have an enemy. i I, like to say I don't I don't believe the devil ever attempts ever attacks me or tempts me. And when I say that, people really? And I say well, I think the devil restricts his I, I don't see anywhere in the scripture the devil is omnipresent. I think he restricts his works to the real spiritual big shots. You know, Billy Graham probably gets tempted by the devil a lot. But he's got millions and billions of demons and they're all after, or lots of them, are after me. To try to goad me into sin, to distress me, to bother me, to trouble me, to worry me. All kinds of things there I don't understand. But, it was a good number of years ago that I heard the explanation of this passage from a Bible teacher. I don't even remember who it was. I just plugged it away in my mind. Talked about the translation of this verse, too. And I just plugged it away in the back of my mind. But he said, if you're troubled, if you're anxious, if you're worried, if you're burdened, if you're at a special, uh, a specifically and specially difficult time... Praise God. Praise God. And he said, if you feel you're under attack, I'd never felt I was under attack in a very specific and concrete way. And then one night, middle of the night, I woke up, and I felt anxious. I, this is, this is, I was worried. I got up. I went back to bed. I didn't want to wake my wife. I tried to lay still, but I couldn't get back to sleep. Very difficult to explain and describe but then truly it just seemed like there was some presence in the room that may sound strange but that's what it seemed like to me when i talked to somebody once they said maybe you had a panic attack maybe i did i've never had one since and only once a little bit thereafter which i'll say something about again In a bit, in a moment. And I remembered what I'd been taught and hadn't paid too much attention to. And so, I started singing in my mind, Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. In him will I trust. You know the song. Over and over again. And over again, and it went away. And the instruction I heard specifically was to praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. It went away. A few weeks later, later it came again. Not as bad. I did the same thing over again. It went away. Never been back. What was that? Is there some logical, scientific, physiological explanation? Could be. I'm not sure. But the devil and his cohorts, his assistants, his demons are our enemies. They are the accuser. It says says in Revelation 12, the devil is the accuser of the brothers who he accuses day and night. If you get the feeling sometimes, I'm a rotten person. I wonder if God really loves me. I'm a miserable, nobody likes me. Those people in my church, they probably all think I'm a hypocrite. God must be really disgusted with me. I sin so much. I never do anything right. You really think those are just thoughts that come out of your logical mind? Remember, the devil accuses the brethren day and night. Rebuke him. Tell him to get away. Tell him to leave. In the name of Jesus, tell him to depart. Say he has no right, no authority over you. Say, I'm a child of God. God loves me more than anyone in the world and I'm going to praise him. Do that. Time to quit. There they are. The principle again, the very simple one. God is enthroned or lives on, inhabits the praises of his people. So praise him. Praise him in public worship. That's when God's people gather. Praise him personally in your own devotions at those special times, but all through the day as well. If you're under distress, if you're attacked, if you're accused, praise him. Work hard at praising him. And my encouragement to you is, well, I've just given suggestions. Work this out yourself. Try it. Now, maybe there's somebody saying, well, I know it's good to praise God, but I don't know about all this. This sounds a little far-fetched. Never heard this before. Okay. Maybe it is. It's still good to praise God, right? My encouragement is, try it. Work harder at praising God. God. But if you're looking to grow in your Christian life, if you're looking to be more energetic, more dynamic, more powerful, more enthused, well, praise in general is good for that. But if this is the right way of understanding that passage, it means, doesn't it, God is going to be closer to you. And once again, as I started with or said a little bit ago, the most important thing we need in our Christian life is the power and presence of God. Very, very close. May God help us. Let's pray. And dear Jesus, we do praise you and thank you and express our love to you. Father, help us to understand with our minds. But beyond our minds, speak to us by your Spirit to our spirits. And give us a deep, deep longing, desire, and commitment to praise you, to thank you, to worship you, love you.